think they labeled me as a boy pop tart who was just singing songs that were written for me. My mom, she told me people are gonna forget about your music if you keep doing what you're doing. Kind of like how We Don't Talk Anymore made you cry in Miami, but made you dance at the same time with five cigars in your hand. <laughs> this is iHeartRadio's Label Defiers with Zico Coconut Water, where we rip off labels to reveal the sides of your favorite artists and celebrities you didn't know. We get to know the real them. Label Defiers was created with our friends at Zico Coconut Water, who encourage you to read the label to see what's inside. Zico, what's inside is everything. Hi, this is Elvis Duran. Welcome to another episode of iHeartRadio's Label Defiers. We're meeting up with our favorite artists to talk about what they're passionate about. You know, sometimes because of the press, because of the gossip columns, we assume our favorite artists are a certain way and they're into certain things. Well, it's not always true. It's always written by someone else. And we need to get to the bottom of what our friends in the music industry are all about. That's why we do this. It's something I love to do. We've had some great artists on, and today it's getting even better with a good friend of ours, Charlie Puth. Yay. Hi, Charlie. How's it going? Hey, Charlie's here. Talking he is. Yay. I feel good about that. I feel good about so it. So Charlie uh, is in his house in Los Angeles. I'm in my house here in New York. So what's going on uh, tonight in L.A.? Another concert? Another night at the office? Another night at the office. I'm playing show with Shawn Mendes. I'm starting it off, and uh, I'm very, very excited. It's been going very well so far. You know, Charlie, not only have you written some amazing music uh, for you and for other artists, you've collaborated with some great artists. I know you're getting ready to release an album that's really going to sort of redefine who you are and what your music's about. And you're actually taking a right turn on this for a reason. I hear yeah. your new album is going to be redefining your sound. What's it all about? I'm going to call the album Voice Notes. I was working on it just uh, an hour ago in that room over there. It's a record that's completely written and produced by me. It's music that I've wanted to put out a very long time, but not necessarily I could just come out of the gate with. But what's really exciting is that music sonically is taking a interesting turn, you know, with everything that Calvin has been putting out and obviously Bruno. So the superstars have made it easier for guys like me to put music like this out. So I'm very, very excited. Well, you talk about the music you've already put out and you've had great success with. You're not saying that you don't like what you put out or it really wasn't what you wanted to put out, but it, it sounds like you're sort of saying it wasn't exactly what you wanted to put out. It wasn't exactly me per se. I mean, I'm super happy with the success of my debut album and my debut album sold over a million copies. It's a dream. It's really, really incredible. But it was really just a musical process of me trying to figure out who I was, I guess. Do artists getting into the circle of things have to do it that way? I mean, is it sort of a collaboration with a lot of people telling you what they think you should do so you can get your foot in the door? Then when you get success, you can do what you want to do. Is it sort of the natural progression of things? Yeah, I think that's the natural progression of things. When I'm producing hit records for other artists as well and myself it's it kind of speeds up the process a little bit because people are more convinced a record label is a very powerful thing and i you know obviously want them to be by my side which they are and uh feel involved which they are as well everyone is very very excited about this stuff attention is going to be kind of like the blueprint of the album it's not going to be like cousins of uh, all the songs aren't going to be cousins of attention but different vibes kind of uh, nodding to a very interesting time period of 1988 to 1990 when R&B was like at its best, in my opinion, even though I wasn't you alive. Love, you love the feel of great 
historically important R&B music. It, it means a lot to you. You hear it in your sound and you emulate some of the great artists. Well, know their vibe, but not their sound yourself. I mean, how important is that to you? It's very important to me. And the reason why I gravitate to such music, brilliant minds like Babyface and um, even in the early 2000s with Pharrell, both good friends of mine, they're huge inspirations to me. The chord changes were everything. Like the chord changes for a while in pop music were getting dumbed down. And I really never understood why. And I, that really wasn't me. So that's, I think, why I couldn't have come out with like a record like Attention in 2010 because we were so knee deep into, you know, drops and EDM influence based pop music. Well, explain something to me. I mean, I, I'm just an idiot that just, you know, You're does not the weather. An idiot. <laughs> an interview of the superstars. Dumbing down. You said the chords and music were dumbed down. What does that mean? Is there, can it be explained? Yeah. I mean, C minor, A flat major, E flat major, B flat major, C minor, A flat major. It's like it was the, everything was the same thing. Right. And I mean, that's fine for like five songs, but simple pop music is always going to reach the most amount of people, which is a good thing. But there's records like, you know, that Max Martin produced, like I can't feel my face by the weekend, you know, G major, F major, A minor, that kind of poke you. And they mix it up. They mix it up in just in a different way. That's, that's the easiest, I guess, amateur way to describe it. You know, this is also simple for you, but for us, we're just trying to figure it out. I know you have a great explanation how there's sort of a science to hit music, writing music. I mean, there is a recipe to putting a song together. Can you explain that to I, idiots like me? It's <laughs> You're self-deprecating. You're not an idiot. You're a very smart guy. Self-defecating. Been, uh, self-defecating. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to you That's for gross. a long time too. So you must be doing something right. My whole thing is each chorus has to sound different. So I hate to cite my own song like I'm like this brilliant. No, line, no, no, that's a good I'm, example. I'm not. I'm just following the greats. Attention, first chorus is just very simple, very easy to sing along to. The melody is actually quite complicated, but everything below it is so simple that it's easy to sing along. So it gets a pass. So that's the first chorus, and then the second chorus has the snare in it. And these like kind of Michael-y kind of, you know. So you have that as the second chorus. And then in the third chorus, you have the long, you know, Max Martin like drone. The song's an E flat minor. So you have the E flat held out the entire time like as a synth or something. And it fills in all the spectrum of sound and just sounds the biggest. Teenage Dream, Katy Perry, first chorus sounds big. Second chorus sounds bigger. Third chorus sounds the biggest. So, so it builds. Yeah, if a record builds and you never get bored the entire time that you listen to it, it's a hit record. Isn't that weird? I mean, to us, it's just a great song that we love to listen to, but there is and, some sort of... And that's all you need to worry about, though. I, I have to worry about like keeping you entertained. That's it. All right, we'll let you take care of all the heavy lifting. We'll just listen to it. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about this note in attention. Every time I hear you sing this note, and I'm assuming you can hear this when I play it. Hold on. Can you hear that? Yeah. Right there. Right. The B flat. The way your voice hits this very vulnerable sound. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a guttural cry. Yeah. A lot of artists would have gone back and re-recorded that because they, oh, my voice gave out. It wasn't perfect for them. But for me, that was just a beautiful way of 
us looking into your heart and seeing what you were singing right there. I thought it was just a brilliant move. I mean, do you think about things like that? At first, I was going to be very typical artist and perfectionist and try and change that note. But it was like two o'clock in the morning when I was recording it. And I may or may not have been thinking of the person who this whole thing is written about. I guess Sunday at 2 a.m. brings the emotions out of you. So I just kept it in there because it just felt right. And even after that note, I kind of let out a sigh of, "Ah, what am I doing? kind of thing. And that actually inspired the lyric of the bridge. What are you doing to me? What are you doing? The more emotional, the more real and untuned it is. Because there's old records by like the Cranberries and Aerosmith, which weren't auto-tuned at all. Not that auto-tune is the worst thing in the world. I use it. Every artist uses it. If they say they don't, they're lying. I always found that like in Bruce Springsteen records and like before that stuff was like heavily used, the audience would sing along to the flat notes and kind of they would gravitate towards the flat notes because it just felt the realist. It didn't feel so perfect. So I'm trying to push my music in a way that doesn't have to be and not every note has to be so pristine and one take, no mistake kind of thing. It it can mess up sometimes and still be fine. But it's more real. I mean, it's from your heart. We all have our BS detectors on. We know if you're singing something like a computer or you're singing something from an experience you had. I mean, that note or anything that you wrote about something that was emotionally charging in your life, when you sing these things in performances, let's say, you sing them hundreds of times, do you still go to that place where you were when you wrote it? When you're performing it, does it get mechanical sometimes? How do you make it stay real? Or do you have to force it at all? I hope it never gets mechanical. Pharrell told me about this great book where if you're feeling anxious, you make this circle and you step into it. And in that circle are the great sounds that you've experienced, great smells you've experienced and great feelings you've experienced. You make that circle your favorite color and I made it green. Whenever I get nervous before I go on the show, I just step into my little circle. I know this sounds crazy, but it actually works. And then I'm in this relaxed mode and and then I'm able to think of all these great things that inspired me to write the song that I'm performing in front of 17,000 people now, rather than thinking, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm going to you know, crap my pants because like I'm performing in front of 17,000 people. Well, you didn't choose the color brown. So that's for crapping your pants. But I know, but I don't think that sounds crazy at all. That's something we could all apply to our lives, no matter what we're doing. If we're in radio or artist or an accountant or whatever, we all have these vulnerable times in our life where we we need to find these triggers that'll make us feel good about us. And you've done it. Uh, And I put melody to them and hopefully people can listen to records like we don't talk anymore and one call away and put their own spin to it these records aren't about me this album isn't about me being an artist is not about me it's about writing records for other people to experience like to make the song that you listen to on these earbuds when you walk from your house in tribeca to work did i just give away your address are there going to be no not at all gotta move (laughs) thanks i'll take your house it's nice i'm sure (laughs) thanks to you (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's it's because I'm taking advantage of, you know, artists like you. It, Perfect. It's, it's paying the bills. Please. Hey, but wait a minute. Go back to the days where you were doing covers of other people's songs on YouTube. Mm. That wasn't that long ago. It was f- how many years ago? I stopped doing YouTube covers probably 2014, right when I wrote See You Again. That was like right. the first song that I wrote as a serious song. I guess it's my first song that I wrote, which just happened to be pretty large. Look at the road between then and now. Yeah, And of course, the road that's in front of you, where you're going next with the new album that's coming out later this year. I mean, any thoughts? Like, what does your heart feel? What does your gut tell you 
when you think about where you were, where you are now, how does it make you feel? It's all in the music to answer your question. The fact that See You Again is the biggest song ever uploaded to YouTube, the biggest video ever uploaded to YouTube. And right. my song Attention sits at like number two or number three on iTunes right now. Just the progression of the music, both records I produced too, but very, very different. It's only been a couple of years, so things have changed. But, you know, I still love playing See You Again. It's my favorite thing to play live. And you say the most watched video on YouTube ever. At yeah. how many billion views? I you believe know? it's approaching three billion hits, which sounds like a made up thing. It's like something that you used to like tell your friends, like my video has billions of hits. It actually does, which is cool. And I almost There's wasn't no going to be in that, that video. I, I really almost wasn't going to be in the video. Really? Yeah. Aren't because, you glad you were? Yeah, I'm very glad I was. They wanted someone else to sing it. And then I was like, no, I'm going to sing it. I must take a refreshing break. Ooh, mm. I'm going to take a refreshing break too. Our friends at Zico Coconut Water sent us some of these ice cold drinks for the session today. Have a sip. So I created this game. It's called What's Inside Game. It's a rapid fire question you answer thing. The first thing that pops into your head, but you can't stop and think about anything or that's cheating. Okay. Okay. When I ask the question, you got to just answer it. If you pause, points off. Okay. Points. Okay. Cool. I feel like if you don't know the answer, just say. If you don't know the answer, just say next. All right. The last thing you Googled. Myself. Really? We're off to a great start. <laughs> the last thing you ate? Pizza. For breakfast? Oh, oh yeah, I, I lied. Um, oatmeal. Okay. Favorite person to follow on social media and why? Kendall Jenner. This <laughs> 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 should be self-explanatory. Favorite thing you can cook? Are you known I, for a dish? Can you cook anything? I can microwave something. Okay, I can, next. I can microwave a cheese bagel. Do you have a weird hobby that we don't know about? Like something you love to do in your spare time when no one's watching? I research cars. I know everything about cars. Yeah, everything. Like I know that the Saturn View from 2004 borrowed a back door handle from the Chevrolet Suburban in 1999. I really love cars. <laughs> That's going to come in handy one day. Yeah. Your hardest habit to break. Do you have any weird habits? Do you bite your fingernails or anything? No, but I forget to get pedicures. Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Go. I've watched a lot of stupid YouTube videos. Who's your go-to person for advice? My mom. Yeah? Yeah, she's good at advice. She's very... D- Is she d- also your role model? Yes, and my dad. They don't sugarcoat yeah. things. By the way, every time we do this, everyone says their mom. I think that's really cool. Oh, uh-huh. They're just trying to be cute. I really mean it. <laughs> what are you most proud of? I am most proud of how my musical career has progressed because I remember wanting to get a publishing deal in 2013 and being discouraged when it didn't you know, happen right away. And now from 2014 and on, my career has just gone up. So I'm very, very happy with the work ethic, I guess. How many people know the real, the real Charlie? Probably one, two, three, four. Four other people in this world. That's my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad. And that's all you need. Yeah, really, nobody really knows me. This became like a Charlie Rose interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Zico Coconut Water, who believe what's inside is everything. So the collaboration with Khalifa, with Megan Trainer. I guess another label you've defied is, well, you don't have to be collaborating, but you seem to really, really get your lawn watered when you're collaborating with other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, I the mean, new album collaborations there, or are you going to do more uh, just you stuff? There might be a collaboration here or there, but it's really kind of going to be all about 
the music, my music. There you are sitting in your house in California, worlds away from growing up in Rumson, New Jersey. Yeah. I know you and your family are really tight, you and your sister, and you don't seem like the LA type, always out and have to be at the party type. I almost became that guy. And I think that's what this album is about. My travels from the East coast to the West coast and how I almost got caught up in that, that nonsense and kind of got pulled back into my roots. So what, what woke you up? Was it a person who said something that shook you up a little bit? Yeah. What, my, what woke you up and said, this isn't me. Yeah. My mom watches access Hollywood and all these TV shows. And there was one point where I was on every single show at the same time. And she told me people are going to forget about your music if you keep uh, doing what you're doing. She didn't say it as calmly as that, but I'm, I'm glad she didn't because I really got the point when she said it. So when's the album coming out? When's Voice Notes coming out? Voice Notes will come out later this year. I think the fall time. So am I going to keep the lights low? A lot of ballads on this thing? No. Or are you going to... There's actually only... Are you giving up on ballads? No, no, no. I'll never give up on ballads. The world will love ballads for as long as we're around. It's just a more up-tempo album, but sometimes ballad, lyrical sentiment where you wouldn't expect it to be on top of a particular production. It's like a groovy kind of backbeat with a very melancholic kind of story behind it. Um, Sad music I can dance to? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of like how We Don't Talk Anymore <laughs> made you cry in Miami, but it made you dance at the same time with five cigars in your hand. I cried that night? Oh, no. <laughs> It was Hope very, no one videoed this. It was a really good night. It was a major party. Parties are fun, you know? Parties are There fun. you were going to the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Yeah. Not knowing that you'd be sitting here doing this today or have another, no. uh, your second album coming out in the fall. Or did you know this was going to happen for never, you? Never, never. I really never thought it was going to happen. I wrote See You Again for Sam Smith, for Adele. Numerous people auditioned to sing it. And it was like a couple of weeks before it was supposed to come out. And I was like, why don't I just sing it? And that's how I became an artist. So I really never intended to be an artist, but I always wanted to talk to you about being an artist. So I think in the back of my mind, I always, you were the goal because I grew up listening to you. I always listened to the phone taps. I mean, since literally the early 2000s, like 2000, I think I've been listening to you. So the goal was to always get to you. And now the fact that I can just go to parties with you, it's pretty cool. Well, it's kind of creepy, but I like it. It's creepy, right? The goal was to finally get to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to understand, to have an artist connect, not only in an interview like this, but in the interviews we've done, but to connect with our audience like you do from your heart directly to their hearts. I mean, it is quite the gift you're dropping. I don't even know if you understand that. I'm sure as an artist, you hear your fans always saying, oh my God, your music has inspired me to do this mm -hmm. and that. I mean, there's pressure on there, you know, and they're looking to you as an example of someone that they want to be or who's describing their life in soundtrack form or whatever. But mm -hmm. you are giving the gift every time you give us a song. And I, I hope that you never take that for granted. That's all. Thank you for checking up on me. I never take it for granted. There are times where I get really tired. I don't get a lot of sleep and I might forget it sometimes, but that's when social media is good and I get to see all the inspirational quotes that my fans are dropping on me constantly. So that really picks me up. So my fans are incredible people. What fuels you the most? 
Is it response from fans? Is it a check that comes in? Is it a note that you hit that makes your hair on your arm stand up? What is it really, really fuels you? I don't have, you don't have I, any I, hair I, on your I, arm. I really don't have a lot of hair on my arms, but where do you um, have hair? Well, I'm look, no, no, don't tell, don't show us your hairy part. But like, <laughs> what is it? To, what is it you do that fuels you? That makes you just want to get up every day and do it? Producing music, producing the record, making the drum pattern, kind of just being in the studio, knowing that I can go to my studio at any time and work on a record for Maroon 5 or Liam Payne or anyone else and it excites me to like work on my artist project working on other people if that makes sense it does make sense and what's even more interesting is you went to school for this I mean yeah this was your major I have an engineering degree I can build you a speaker for your Tribeca apartment if you want right I can basically do just that but I really haven't done it since I don't know, maybe building a speaker. (laughs) When you get tired of singing music, just build a speaker. How do you think people see you? What labels have been put on you that you want to erase? I think they labeled me as a boy Pop-Tart who was just singing songs that were written for me. There were actually people who thought I didn't play piano, that I was miming every time I played Seaway again live. So hopefully they know that there's a bit more substance to me. I'm not trying to shove it down their throats or anything, but you know. Well, how do you want people to see you like in the future? I mean, from this point forward, how do you want them to I want people describe to s- their thoughts of you? I want people to see me as the fixer of music, someone who's handed a B-plus song and turns it around and makes it an A-plus song. I love doing that. I think I love doing that even more than writing music from the ground up. Taking a song that's like, okay, and then switching the key, lowering it or raising it. Well, I want to be like the baby face of the generation, even though he's classic and still continues to make hits. And even though there are only four people in the world that know the real you, and it's members of your family, Mm -hmm. what three words, in your opinion, describe the real you? Genuine, goofy, and musical. Even though we're talking about music the entire time, I literally hear music all day in my head. And the only way I can actually get it out of my head is if I can play it on a piano. That way, if I'm doing an interview with you, I don't keep humming like the same Nelly Furtado record in my head. I just like... Wait, is, just there, is there a song in your head right now? There, there's, it's, it started to... I was listening to Tony Braxton before and... Uh, and I should have called you home. I should have took you home last night. Should have been with me. Should have stayed by my side. The stay by my side. The sea, the sea sus, which is also written by Babyface, Ellie Reed. That was in my head as I was just talking to you, and I now it's completely in my head, and I, I I'm stuttering. I don't know what I'm talking. Do you ever about get anymore. weird songs in your head? You just wish they would get out of your head. I mean, you're yeah. just like oh, earworms. Yeah, but like sometimes but sometimes they turn into melodies. Like when I was in the Philippines, I couldn't get na 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 out of my head. Na 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 na. And that turned into run around, run around, run around, throwing that turtle on my name, which people think is throwing that turtle on my knee. But now I want to make t-shirts. It's not turtle. No, it's it's, it's a bit not? Of like it's just like a Starbucks lover situation. A long oh, list of ex oh, yes. lovers, Starbucks lovers, turtle on my knee, turtle on my name. Weird. Excellent. Charlie, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I wouldn't thank hear some you, music. Elvis. 
I'm dying to hear some music. So whenever you want to share it, let me know. I'd love to hear it. I'll text you some new things. Okay, record, very cool, Charlie. Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. Tell Sean we said hi tonight, okay? Of course. If you like what you've heard, join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag LabelDefiers. Thanks to our friends at Zico Coconut Water for supporting this amazing new fun podcast. If you haven't tried Zico yet, grab one today.